Hi there, a quick note before the episode begins. Did you know that Mija has her own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Mija Podcast, the audiobook, an exclusive and never-before-heard collection of memoirs and reflections by her creator, Lori Martinez, about what it meant to turn her own migration story into a fiction series. When you get Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. You can find it on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Also available in Spanish and French. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello! Bienvenidos and welcome to Miha on the Mic, where me, Miha, interviews daughters and immigrants who are making moves in their industries around the world. Today, I'm so excited to invite Kim Gerlach, a scent practitioner and breath worker. Her olfactive work is focused on the cultivation of presence and the creation of new pathways for our bodies and minds to flow and heal. Through her work, she addresses the topics of finding intuition and inner guidance, multiculturalism, and the power of breath. I'm super excited to learn more about this. So thank you so much for joining me, Kim. Thank you so much for the magnificent introduction already. It's super nice. Thank you. So it's so exciting to chat with you because I'm very curious about the kind of work you do. I understand a lot of the people you work with are daughters of immigrants or are refugees and who are going through this kind of generational trauma and using breath work and olfactory senses to heal is something I'd never really heard of before. And so I would love to hear a little bit about how you got into this kind of work. Yeah. So just to break it down for everyone who hasn't heard of olfaction, that is very common. It's smelling, your sense of smelling. So basically the things I am working with as healing modalities is smelling and breathing. Um, combining those is um, not happening so often, I must say, but it's really powerful because you always have it accessible. So I believe in the breath specifically as just a tool for grounding yourself, maybe even going into the opposite spectrum to regulate yourself to have more energy. Um, and this is specifically important for those of us who have trauma, whether that's like intergenerational, whether that's of this lifetime, there's so many different ways how society or whatever can traumatize us. And then breath really taps into that. So how does it work exactly? So there's really different angles to, let's say, breath work as an industry. We have pranayama practices that can be like five minutes a day. You have that as a routine. You do it in the morning and you start regulating your nervous system more. Uh, you build more stability and resilience to change or triggers, let's say like activation instead of triggers because we kind of overuse the word trigger so much in society but yeah um that's on the one spectrum like five minutes a day and then we have longer so-called psychedelic sessions where we really get into the healing power of the body the inner world the subconscious that can be like 15 minutes of breathing two hours of breathing even and that goes really really deep into capital t trauma kind of work so the longer we breathe the deeper we go energetically into seeing what's bubbling up there and what wants to be seen. 
That's so interesting. I want to understand that because I believe your work is very much inspired by your own culture, right? Can you tell us about your cultural background a little bit? Yeah, so I'm, um, for everyone who's hearing this, I'm a white passing woman of color, um, she, her pronouns, and I have Filipino ancestry. So my mom comes from the Philippines and she came to Europe or the West um, after her degree. Breathwork isn't really a thing that's established in the Philippines as like a discipline, but I know it's in so many different cultures. Like people usually associated with kind of India, pranayama, but there's so much more we know people have been breathing centuries ago in Africa, in China. So it's really like this mingle of like, literally all the folks around the globe have discovered breathing at some point. So how did, you know, your cultural experience and your family's identity kind of inspire you in your experience? I mean, there's a lot for realizing how limited capacity I, I as the daughter of an immigrant has in breathing. Um, I'm realizing a lot of folks who are marginalized in our societies today, they don't breathe as freely. And this is also like almost a political topic. I know that growing up with my mom wanting to be a quote-unquote good migrant meant that we always had to duck down. We always had to kind of obey the structures in the majority of society, which meant like changing clothing style and deattaching to her Filipino ancestry completely. I didn't grow up speaking Tagalog because she was like, I don't want you to associate with the culture because I want you to feel really German. That's my wish for you to not be discriminated against. And with that, there comes like this energy of needing to obey, needing to fit in. And that really does something to a breathing pattern. Because if you just imagine yourself as of now, you walk down the street, you're all happy, healthy, you're listening to your favorite podcast. And then suddenly someone racially attacks you. What happens to your breath really? It gets stuck. You're like, <gasps> you hold your breath. And this can happen in like micro mini seconds that can happen throughout the day if we are being racially profiled, if whatever in society happens, our breath changes, our breathing pattern. And when I realized that with all my kind of trauma that I'm carrying, it's not only the intergenerational, there's sexual abuse trauma as well. There's a lot happening in my kind of life and existence. I'm realizing how I can't fully relax the breath. And I think that's all of that mesh of realizing what my breathing pattern is, all of that was inspiration to be like, okay, I really believe in everyone being able to liberate themselves through breathing. And when you look at it politically as well, just thinking of kind of the slogan of the Black Lives Matters movement with George Floyd's words being, I can't breathe, then there's also that political aspect in it, right? Where some folks of us grow up being able to breathe much better than others, and some are systemically not able to fully feel their breath, to relax their breath, to to chill out there. Yeah. And oh my God, now I'm like goosebumps. I'm like, okay, ask me the next question. I'm like, ah, heavy. <laughs> it's so fascinating. I'm really interested in how you came to do it. Maybe if you can share a moment in which you you really felt like you needed to breathe and that you needed to be conscious of your breathing. If there's like a moment that kind of sparked this inspiration for you. So it all started with me stumbling into a breathwork workshop at a retreat. So I'm already like this spiritual woo-woo being. I love going to like healing sessions and retreats. And there were a lot of workshops and all of the ones I wanted to attend 
they were all booked out, which meant the only one that was left was called breathwork. And I was like, I know how to breathe. I'm doing this every day. I don't know what this is. Let me just go there because nothing else is free. Um, I ended up having like the biggest revelation of my spiritual existence with loads of tears, loads of energy release. And I was like, what the heck just happened? And even before the session, I could see people propping themselves up being like grabbing tissues and like eye masks and like having this whole thing prepared and like blankets, but also being half naked. I was like, we're just breathing, right? But there's so like, I didn't realize what can really happen when you stick to a specific breathing patterns for like 40, 50 minutes. It goes so deep into just like release, I would say. So I had a major emotional release, but I couldn't really understand what it was verbally or cognitively. I was like, there was weird energy in my womb. I can't really understand it, but it felt scary. And it was a lot that was released. And then fast forward a couple of years, um, I'm finding out with my mind what that was, what that kind of like blocked energy was. And it was a sexual abuse trauma, a memory that I kind of stored in my womb. I didn't want to remember this specific moment. I just, yeah, maybe trigger warning for everyone listening for the next few minutes. It was really about a specific moment in which I have been victim of sexual abuse. And I was like, oh my God, that was showing up through breath. And the only things when that trauma came apparent, really capital T trauma, I was having panic attacks. The only thing that I was doing was like, crying, seeing my therapist and doing breath work because I realized everything else that I was doing, like yoga and healing modalities, journaling, none of that really helped me in this severe trauma healing uh, phase. And that's how breath work, I always say like it came to me. I didn't choose to be like, oh, what do I want to be? I don't want to do yoga. I want to do breathing. But I was like, that's the only thing that's saving me and saving my ass and healing. And that's when I realized like, it's so powerful. It did so much magic on me. That's why I want to share it. And opening that conversation up as well as like, there are so many different facets of people seeing what the breath can do for them. It doesn't need to be the specific trauma I have, but even as we're talking about like migration so much that can be out of your conscious, but in your subconscious. Yeah, there's so much. <laughs> have you been doing breath work before? Have you heard of it? I'm so curious. Personally, I've been to India. I've I've experienced, you know, meditation and I've I've done a little bit of that wellness thinking. Mm. I most recently went to a Kundalini yoga and that's like the most of I've had with specifically that kind of breath work. I definitely can agree that there is something very special about having very mindful breathing. That's why it also drew me to you as as a person because I thought this person is using that practice to really talk about this very specific thing that so many daughters of immigrants immigrants are facing, which is things that you can't really put words to, right? Like you said, it's you're not even realizing it's happening, but you have anxiety. You have this stress that comes from having to carry the world on your shoulders and, you know, be the pride of your family and succeed and not you know, let anybody down and you're not even realizing that you have all of this pressure on you and that you're not fully breathing out like you, totally. you, you should. Yeah. So I'm fascinated by the work that you're doing. And I'd love to hear about your company because, you know, part of the reason why we connected is because we're both part of a organization, Founderland, which is an organization that connects women of color entrepreneurs around Europe. And so I would love to hear how you started your company and how you're doing your business around this, because 
you're mm. truly bringing a product that people don't necessarily understand. And I'm sure you have, you know, frustrations with that, right? Yeah. How did you start and, and what have been some of the challenges that you faced in doing pedagogy around this kind of experience? It's interesting. I think we're at this momentum, at least from my understanding, that there's more and more breathwork practitioners. So outside of me stepping into that, I almost feel like it's like 2010s, everyone is doing their yoga teacher training. And now it's like 2020s and everyone is doing their breathwork teacher training, which is beneficial to me, I must say, to kind of like have a more widespread understanding in society of like, ah, the breath is a concept. The breath is something that can bring you wellness. I think that's more and more popping up, at least around me. I started really, well, it was like a rough time. I was actually coming from the perfume and fragrance industry, which is where scent and smelling comes in. And I was also going to do an angle of like more mindfulness. And just before I kind of wanted to launch more workshops and formats, that's when the big trauma came in. And that's when breathwork came in. And after that half a year of constant healing, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to turn towards my business again to look at how I can do things. And with this new willpower to look into breath work, that's when it clicked to be like, oh, smelling and breathing are so close to each other. This is going to be the two modalities I will be choosing to kind of share. Um, as of now, it's very much based in, like you can imagine workshops or like 60-minute uh, sessions. I'm doing a lot with different NGOs based here in Berlin where I'm also talking about the more political aspect. So it can be everything from very experiential, like you can imagine it as a yoga class, but also something more educational, where I tell you about your nervous system. I tell you about yeah the political aspect, how activists have been breathing in the past. Like It takes a lot of different angles, but specifically, I would say more and more for marginalized communities. Um, what I'm working on right now is launching an app so it makes it scalable and accessible to more people. For example, also outside of Berlin, outside this time zone, to bring these kind of smaller breath hacks into your life. So really taking that deep exhale and slow exhale before you go to bed, letting go of your day, really like exhaling out all of the experience you had as a migrant, as whatever you are, who you're listening to. That's where I've been at right now. Founderland has been great to also find other women of color and be like, wow, there's so many more who are carrying the struggle, being in a minority specifically in that founding and entrepreneurial landscape. Right now, I'm also sitting at a co-working space. It's called Biowalk Rising. And also like a little anecdote, I didn't realize how much my breath can relax until I came here or how much safer I could feel. Like I would be sitting at a bunch of different co-working spaces around town. And this is one specifically for BIWOC, Black, Indigenous and Women of Color and trans into non-binary BIPOC. So coming here I was like, yeah, I guess that's cool. I just need a place to sit. And then the more I was here, the more I was like, wow, I can let go. I can focus and it feels so much more liberating to do work from here it's sometimes you don't know what you need until you have it kind of thing did I make sense <laughs> yeah no I I think it it goes with what we were saying before which is you know it's very difficult to put words to it you talk about breathing breathing is such a natural thing and yet sometimes we find ourselves unable to to kind of breathe normally and and even recognize our own anxiety that's happening I find that um, fascinating. I'm curious about the way that you've, you know, had your experience in Berlin 
and how you've come to kind of be German in a way, I guess. Do you feel German, in fact? Uh, sometimes more, sometimes less. Right now, less than back in the days. I grew up between Germany, the US, and then moved to Sweden for studies. And it really shifted. Like sometimes I would identify as the European. In school, I would I'd be identified from the outside world as the Asian. Then in Sweden, I was like, no, I come from a very like educated background in Germany. Like that's where I kind of graduated. And now I'm in my studies. So I related back to that kind of academic identity I had as studying in Germany. So I can't tell you really right now today, half, half. I always say I'm a huffy. <laughs> so um, I want to know what you're most proud of, because it seems like you've been on a long journey and that you've been in different cities and you've been building out your business and also building out your own healing through this work. What are you most proud of in your journey as both an entrepreneur and as a healer for others? Yeah. Wow. Great question. Um, I think to me, the biggest challenge in the past years has been kind of duality. And I'll explain that in a second, but um, an example of just my day to day, like I'm feeling excited as well as like excited about this happening, as well as stressed about other things that are not happening the way I wanted in my entrepreneurial landscape. And really being in this, I need to heal and I want to heal and look at my traumas and maybe go deeper into what my identity discovery is, while also wanting to freaking enjoy life and being a human and not thinking of the things that make me different from the majority society. And I think it's a really like fine line between that duality of being like, I am othered, I see myself other, I am different, but also I'm human and I want to have fun and I don't want to get stuck in this loop of constantly needing to heal. And I think for me, also working with healing and mindfulness, it's super important to find ways and be like, okay, healing is like not always going through the pain. Healing can also be like the ecstatic dance and kind of maybe even getting tipsy, like you name it, do whatever for you to be happy. And I think that duality of like a lot of needs and feelings that are not always complementary. I think that's been both personally and in the entrepreneurial landscape where sometimes a deal goes through working with a big sports brand like Nike and at the same time something else falls through and you're like, yeah, it's like one happy eye and then one sad eye and you're just like, well, going through all these emotions of like being a human. I think that's something I would love to remind others of. You can, you can feel it all. That's amazing. I would love to hear something about an anecdote, if you can share one, about your cultural experience as a Filipina in Germany. I think when we first chatted on email, you mentioned something about a game that you played with your mom. I'd love to hear about it. To me, just the way I would identify with different things, I would also identify with the Filipino culture more after my parents divorced. Because my mom full-blown went into, okay, this is who I am. I'm going to go back to the roots kind of thing. So when they divorced, she would start getting like bigger rice sacks at the Asian shop and buying a bigger rice cooker and all these things. So for me, it really came in these kind of like until age eight, I was raised very German. And then after age eight, I was like, Ooh, what's this? It's odd, but it also feels great. The most vivid memory is definitely of Filipino gatherings since it's such a strong community bond, 
even abroad. Um, I think especially diaspora is like trying to bring that culture aliveness through meetups. So that's like literally just like in some industrial center outskirts of any bigger town, we would just like rent a massive hall and then everyone brings potluck and we have like a whole buffet of Filipino food, a lot of food, kids dancing, like doing different shows. And I think that's a very like vivid memory obviously doing work with smell a lot of my memory is related to filipino food as well where i do remember the visits in the philippines or what my mom would cook when i was young so yeah there's there's a lot of that aspects of like food community also pride i think germans don't necessarily show a lot of pride in who they are based on world war ii and not being able to be proud of what it means to be a german and it's the complete opposite to Filipinos like as soon as I see someone in the streets who kind of like wears a little badge or like shows a flag I'm like whoa I already like you <laughs> so it's a strong community is strong yeah <laughs> yeah I think that's what it means to me to to be proud Filipina abroad and the game that you played with your mom what was that so that was actually just recently two months ago um it's a card game based in the U.S. that is supposed to bring children and parents closer together and it's translated into different languages i think 20 plus different languages and um, you have it always matching with english so it would be english and tagalog or english chinese there's a lot out there spanish also exists and my mom has been abroad outside of germany or outside where i was living for 10 years and we reconnected again like literally this spring where I would buy this game and would be like, okay, let's try. And it was firstly really funny for me to like pronounce the Tagalog words or like try to do, usually we communicate in German or English. So sometimes I would like dare to do it in uh, Tagalog. But um, that game is really there. It has different levels to connect with your parents. So it's, I think, level one to three. And the level one questions are like, oh, share a, mem share a happy memory of your childhood. Uh, share about your best friend of childhood. And then it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. It's one of these like reflective kind of journaling questions. And every stop, we were doing a road trip and every stop we, I would just be like, okay, next question. I would just pull, like pull up a card. And it connected me so much with who my mom is, who she is in all her facets, being, being the struggling single parent in Germany, migrant, I don't know, like put all the labels in one, migrant, single parent, woman, woman in automotive industry, like all of that. And yeah, just getting goosebumps talking about this now. Like it gave me so much of a richer understanding of how she struggled, who she was as a child, who, why she is the way she is. It was so nice. So yeah, no sponsored advertisement here, but I can really, really recommend anyone who wants to kind of reconnect almost on eye level with their parents and yeah hear what their life until this point has been like it's it's such a nice game yeah that was the one i played just recently parents are human amazing you make me want to play the game <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i would love to ask you a little bit more about your life in germany um just because i think you mentioned something very funny in your first email you said living in diaspora is pretty cozy what does that mean yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, for a very long time, I had the longing to reconnect with my roots by traveling back to the Philippines, kind of like geographically locating there and seeing that as a reconnection. 
the pandemic didn't really allow me to. Um, the times before I was so focused on studying and entrepreneurial life that I basically couldn't afford it. Like I couldn't afford it. Then I was like, I can afford it. And then the pandemic hit. So all of that didn't really allow me to go back. And that's when the magic of the universe made it come my way. It was really funny. Like through my current partner, I found someone who's also like half German, half Filipino, socialized in a very similar pattern uh, as I was. And then through that, suddenly I'm joining this like WhatsApp group of like Filipinex in Berlin. And I'm like, woo! So it comes up more and more. My one coworker from the Philippines and the like last funny coincidence is that I moved uh, approximately half a year ago to the outskirts of Berlin. I moved to a very like rural small village and it turns out at the retreat and kind of healing center there, it's like a healing hospital at the hospital, like 200 of the 600 staff are from the Philippines. They're healthcare workers who came here to kind of start their diaspora life in Germany, start their career as a health worker and care worker. And they're all sitting on the same buses as I am. Like every time I'm commuting back home, there's at least one Filipinex person. And I'm like, yes, it came my way. Like there's so much in through these WhatsApp groups. Like it can be as simple as that for me, just like the WhatsApp group, like being on the same bus, being on the same train, like seeing them when I go for a walk, it's like, it is around me. And that's why I said like, it's pretty cozy, even though I didn't get half the chance in the last years to go back to the Philippines. It kind of came to me, I feel, and I'm like, yeah, I can hang out here and still continue exploring. Um, so I think it's very like practical things of like which supermarket to check out or like which gallery by which Filipino artist. Like there's a lot around that. And then on another more philosophical or academic uh, layer, I've been reading a lot. I've been reading a lot of books of Filipinex authors. I've been looking more into what it means to be diaspora, kind of like sensitizing myself to yeah the colonial history and everything. But that's very like geeky outside the life here, really. It's so interesting you said that because I have the same experience and a lot of the women that we've interviewed on the show we have talked about the kind of seeking community. And so when you say, well, when you can't go to your home country, you find your your people in your new place. Yeah. And so you talk about WhatsApp groups. We have the same thing here. <laughs> There's Latinos in Paris. And pretty much everyone I've spoken to who's kind of had to seek it out because we come from cultures that are very communitarian most of the time. And then we become super isolated in our new countries a lot of the time, whether that's because of your economic you know, mm. situation or if it's because you're in a place that's not necessarily very diverse but you somehow find it, right? Whether that's through TV, through books, through content, through media, through your neighborhood hospital, <laughs> as you as you found, mm. you're not alone. And that's what's really beautiful about this. When you're actually paying attention, you actually can find community wherever you are. That's really interesting to hear yet another person proving the point yeah, exactly. <laughs> in Germany, you know? Um, so I would love to, I don't know if you're comfortable with this and you can totally say no if you don't want to. I know a lot of the listeners might be curious about how your work actually works. I don't know if there's a, maybe an exercise that we could do together on the show. And, you know, maybe we can you can guide whoever's listening now to into a breathwork meditation. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So I can guide you in one and then I'll explain another one that we can't do right now, but will be super helpful for you in the future. So everyone who's listening, maybe when you're driving or somewhere in public, 
you don't close your eyes, <laughs> but everyone else who feels comfortable wherever you are, you can just spend a couple of moments here with me. Finding yourself grounded wherever you are, if that's your feet, your buttocks, whatever, and just quickly feel into your body. Kind of shift your gaze, even if you have your eyes closed, into the inside and soften that inner gaze. And soon you can join me for a soft inhale. We're starting in three, two, one. Inhale on four, deep into your belly. And exhale on the count of four, three, two, one. And again, inhale on four, three, two, one and exhale it out, sigh out the day, maybe through your mouth. Listen, inhale again on four, three, two, one. This time hold, don't exhale, keep the breath inside. And release now, you can sigh it out with your mouth or through your nose, another one. And this time listen, keep the air out. Belly stays empty of breath. Another two, one, and again, inhale on four. Hold breath here. You can relax your shoulders and your belly. And exhale it out. Release all the tension of your body. And stay empty right here. Belly relaxes. And we do two more rounds. Inhale on four. Let the breath in, enjoy the novelty, hold it in, hold that freshness in. Let the breath expand in your body and release, let go of that air and with that all the tension in your body. And stay empty, relax your belly, relax your body. And normal breathing now. Normal breathing here. Just feel if you can keep your eyes closed for just a couple more moments. What has shifted? Anything that has changed? And yeah, I'm inviting you to set an intention for the rest of that day that you have in front of you. In all that human existence, what do you want to feel? In the tension of all the feelings, which one do you want to focus on? Which one can take space? And you can softly open your eyes again and come back. <laughs> yeah, very easy task or technique is called box breathing that's the one we just did it's like inhaling holding it exhaling and holding it again yeah well for those of you who are listening i actually did it you may or may not have heard my breaths <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing and and i definitely feel more relaxed that's for sure personally as someone who's tried the meditation and the, like I mentioned the kundalini for those of you who don't know kundalini it's a yoga that involves a lot of breath work in fact very intense breath work at the end of one kundalini session I cried so I know that I know what you're saying actually works and can make you feel something whatever that is it can make you feel something very profound 
Thank you for that. Thank you. And what's the other exercise? Yeah. <laughs> um, the other exercise, you can try it by yourself. Anytime you're kind of anxious or stressed in your day, it's a simple tool of prolonging and deepening your exhales. So if you think of it, like now we inhaled on four, we exhaled on four. Maybe you can do inhale on four, but an exhale on six. Every time we kind of like stretch our exhales and make them really, really long and juicy, that's when we down-regulate our nervous system and we make space for the so-called rest and digest, the parasympathetic. This can really, you can do this anywhere, really, like on the train. I do it on the bus, sometimes on my way back home. And I'm like, okay, it's been a rough working day. Just focus on the slow exhales. And if you can, you can even stretch it to inhaling on four, exhaling on eight. Um, and you can prolong that even. I do sometimes inhale on four, exhale on 10. So the more you stretch those exhales, the quicker you can really relax. And that's a tool you can just practice. You can do maybe 10 minutes, five minutes, even five minutes, just set a timer and then you do that. Amazing. Okay, so we're coming to the end now and I want to ask you some quick questions. It's a Miha speed round, really related to your bicultural experience more than anything, but you know, you can add in whatever answers relate to breathwork as well. So firstly, and I know you mentioned this before that your relationship to language is a little bit particular, but what language do you swear in when you accidentally touch a hot plate? Yo, English. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite food? Ooh, favorite food. I think I need to say Vietnamese lately. <laughs> Good Vietnamese. There's a lot of shitty Vietnamese as well. <laughs> Song uh, that you had in your head this week? Oh my God. I have so many songs on my playlist. There's none coming up right now. I'm completely blanking. Let me... Actually, two weeks ago, I listened to old Beyonce bangers, and one of them was Love on Top. <laughs> is it that title? Yeah. <laughs> so, Love that. What is your last Google search that you feel comfortable sharing? Let me look at it. Um, probably something related to organizing a summer party next week for marginalized community. Something around like catering or so. Last Google search. Ah, I searched for Our Realities. It's a podcast by the co-working space I'm sitting at. Funny. Oh, very cool. Uh, what is your most embarrassing dream that you had as a kid? Let's go back to little Kim. How did you feel when you were growing up in Berlin? What was the dream that you had that was maybe embarrassing? <laughs> I always wanted to be a pop star. But then in kindergarten, I was performing, I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. And I felt pop starry, but I also felt a lot of adults like almost giggling at me. And that felt, I don't know, I'm, I think I'm over like interpreting it, but it felt like some were not like, oh, this is cute, but some were like, ha, 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 look at her. And that felt really embarrassing. So I think I gave up on that kind of pop star existence in my adult life. You're the second person on this show that wanted to be a pop star growing up. <laughs> yeah. But it kind of transitioned, like, then I turned older and I was like, I just want to be on fucking stage. I just want to talk to people and kind of inspire them. But that's so abstract. Like, everyone was like, I want to be a doctor or da da da. And I was like, no, I just want to be on stage and inspire. That's also a way to be a pop star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Kim. Tell us where we can find you, where people can learn more about your practice. Thanks so much for having me, Miha. So good. You can all find me on the regular socials, Instagram. I'm also quite active on LinkedIn. And otherwise, my website is called Sun and Rise, kind of like the sunrise. 
sunandrise.com. That's where you find all my projects, my upcoming group programs, and hopefully the app that will launch soon. So yeah, check me out there or Instagram. That's a little more personal. And thanks for having me. So cozy. Thank you. One last question. What's your advice to Miha so they can start healing through their breath? Breath awareness in your day. Notice when your breathing changes and bring awareness to how your breath is. It's as simple as that. Really check in and be like, how am I breathing just now? And at some point you'll be like, how am I breathing after this trigger? How am I breathing in this emotion? It's just tuning into that. So powerful. Beautiful. Thanks for listening. This is Miha on the Mic, a season of reflection on our shared experiences as daughters of immigrants. Over the next couple of weeks, I'll be sharing stories like these and inviting guests to share theirs. Follow us on Instagram at Miha Podcast, that's M-I-J-A Podcast, and leave us a note if you like this story. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. This is a production of Studio Ochenta, a Latina-owned multilingual podcast studio dedicated to raising voices across cultures. For more from Studio Ochenta, follow us at Ochenta Podcasts on Instagram. That's O-C-H-E-N-T-A podcast with an S on Instagram. P.S. Don't forget this season is also about you. If you have a story you'd like to share, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, I invite you to reach out on Instagram at Miha Podcasts and leave us a message with a short story or memory of yours that warms your heart. We'll read it out loud on the show. Hasta pronto. Ciao. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Did you know that Mija has her own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Mija Podcast, the audiobook, an exclusive and never-before-heard collection of memoirs and reflections by her creator, Lori Martinez, about what it meant to turn her own migration story into a fiction series. When you get Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. You can find it on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Also available in Spanish and French.